Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. Ephesians 3. I think we're going to be picking up where we left off. I'm reading out of the New Living, but I'm going to reference the New King James, the ESV um, this morning. It says in verse 14 of Ephesians 3, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he'll empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus. Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father God, show us how we didn't just trust you once when we came to you and invited you into our heart. Show us how we must continue to trust you because you're still at work in us. You're still at work in us. To will and do of your good pleasure, you're still at work in us. And so, Father God, show us how to cooperate with the work that you're doing in us. Show us how to partner with the work that you're not only doing with, within us, but in this, in this world. Father, so grow us that we're able to take our eyes off of ourselves and even see others. Lord, I thank you that you are at work. Father, I thank you that you're not making it difficult for us to, to discern that you're at work. But Father, open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive all that you've got for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. Notice Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, and Paul's prayers to the Ephesians are, are powerful, but notice how he kicks it off in verse 14. He says, when I think of all this, the ESV and the New King James say for, for this reason. Also notice that this very same phrase is used in verse 1 of chapter 3 to kick off the chapter. When I think of all this, or for this reason. And in verse 2 where Paul's speaking of God giving him the special responsibility of extending God's grace. New King James says dispensation of the grace of God. ESV, the stewardship of God's grace. And then in verses 7 and 8 in the New King James they speak of the grace of God given Paul in both verses. Why am I saying all of that? I'm saying all of that because based on these things that we just looked at, verse 2, Paul speaking of God giving him the special responsibility of extending God's grace, the dispensation, the stewardship of God's grace. In verses 7 and 8, Paul speaking of the grace of God given him. And then verse 1 and verse 14, both beginning with when I think of all this or for this reason, it is therefore safe to say that Paul's prayer in verses 14 through 21 were based on God's grace given to him. That he is praying a prayer based on the very grace of God that he knows was given to him. 
He knows that he in no way would be able to do what God has called and purposed for him to do. We know that he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament, that God used him tremendously, that he survived again and again and again, shipwrecks and beatings and unbelievable what Paul endured and what he went through, all because he was aware of the grace of God and now he is praying for the Ephesians according to this grace. That's how powerful God's grace is. And what God's grace did for Paul, it'll do for you and I, and that is why he's praying that way. Paul wants the the church in Ephesus to know about the grace of God like he has come to know about the grace of God. He knew that he was doing what he was doing because of the grace of God, and he was encouraging the believers to become aware of God's grace, to embrace the grace of God. So he is praying out of a God-given grace extended to him for the Ephesians, just like I am speaking to you today out of a God-given grace extended to me for the Ionians. We're going to finish today by looking at the contents of this prayer. And I believe in it, you and I are going to discover just how powerful God's grace truly is. And I'm believing, you know, no matter how many books you've read or how many sermons you've heard on the grace of God, that this will be different and that you'll be greatly encouraged. Be a be a good note-taking day if you aren't already. And by the way, even on your digital devices, there's something called notes, and you can take notes on that, um, and you can save them. And then, depending on how connected all your devices are, you can ship them here or ship them there or ship them all over the place. And we provide the notes in new version too. And uh, forgive me for the things that I say that aren't in notes, but uh, those are typically things God's given me in a moment prior to the service or it's just coming out of my mouth while I'm up here. So notice how it says God empowers you from his gloriously unlimited resources. I I hope you get this. Um, God's not in short supply. His resources are unlimited. Isn't it amazing, though, how many times you'll struggle believing that God somehow doesn't have the same voltage that day? Uh, God doesn't somehow have the same power that day. Um, God's resources are, are unlimited. In the ESV and the New King James, it speaks of an abundance um, of, of material possessions and resources. That's why it uses the word riches instead of gloriously unlimited resources. The newer versions like the NLT are trying to use three words to capture what the older versions were using just in one, riches. Riches, but the New Living is saying gloriously unlimited resources. And, and what it literally means is an abundance. It's an abundance of material possessions and resources. God is not short in any way that you could ever need him. God's not short. He's not lacking. He's not somehow unable to meet a need that day. Nothing that you need is God ever going to be short in. Is God ever going to be lacking in? And we need to, to nail these things down. And if if things seem to be a little bit more difficult on any given day, maybe you're supposed to do a little bit more seeking that day. Maybe you're supposed to do a little bit more praying that day. Maybe you're supposed to do a little bit more studying that day. Maybe you're supposed to to dig a little deeper. The Bible says that the wise man who built his house in the rock, he did one thing before he began doing that. The Bible says that he dug deep. And then he built his house in a row. I think sometimes we're not digging deep enough. We want God to do all the work and we fail to realize that he's equipped us to do some work here. And it's not work that we need to do to, to go to heaven. It's work that we need to do while we're here on earth. Good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
And sometimes it, it takes a little digging. Sometimes, you know, God's not easily found. Haven't you found that at times you're going into your prayer closet and he's just not there meeting you immediately? I believe God loves to be sought. I believe God loves to be pursued like any lover would. Want to be chased and want to be pursued. I think sometimes we try to get God to settle into our routine. No, we're seeking him. We're not trying to train God so that we can snap our fingers or sing a certain song so that he comes running. It's always going to be a heart thing. And the more genuine the pursuit of your heart, the greater I believe his presence, the moments you have in his presence, the time spent. So on any given day, no matter how you're feeling, please know God's not lacking. And I love verse 17 because of the promise for us as we trust in him. Look at verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Saints, God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. As you trust him, your roots will go down deep and keep you strong. And notice that power and strength is given so that you'd understand, or the ESV says comprehend. Get this, and it's real important that you get this. Because I think sometimes we're so caught up in our flesh, we miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to bring. And this is one of those things that you're just going to have to catch. As you trust him, your roots will go down deep and keep you strong. And then notice that power or strength is given so that you'd understand or comprehend. It's safe to say that a big part of depth and strength is trust. A big part of depth and strength is trust. What kind of depth is there in a, in a marriage if you don't trust each other? What kind of depth is there in a relationship? What kind of strength does that relationship have if trust does not exist? In the same way, your relationship with the living God, the depth of it, the strength of it is so rooted and based in trust. Well, I was doing really good until this thing happened to me or until that Christian said that to me or until the church decided to do this or pastor said this or the pastor did that. Trust is an enormous part of the depth of your walk with God, the strength of your walk with God. Think about it. Trust. You gotta trust. You gotta trust. And at some moment in the game, in your walk with God, you are going to abandon all, you are going to leave all, and you are going to follow Christ, and you are going to trust him. You're going to trust him. No matter what your feelings, no matter what your emotions got going on, no matter how much your flesh is afflicted, you are going to trust him. And if you don't get to the point where you can trust him in the face of it all, you're not going to be able to know him and you're not going to be able to stand in the face of it all. You're going to wither and you're going to run and you're going to retreat. Every time opposition comes, every time you get another symptom, God's bigger. And you don't get to blame everybody. You don't get to blame your upbringing. You don't get to blame the church. It is about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's up to you to throw as many logs on that fire and grow as possible. It's not up to me. I'm doing my job. I'm, a, I'm standing in an extended grace for you right now. It's up to you. What are you going to do with it? And how deep are your roots going to go? And how strong are you going to be? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? You got to trust him. Must trust him. Man, it's quiet in this Catholic church this morning. So, um, so look at verses 18 and 19. 
And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We have to understand the depths of God's love. God's people should understand God's love is so very deep. God's love is deeper than that. No matter what you're going through, God's love's deeper than that. And I can't find anywhere in the Bible where God promises that you are going to fully and completely understand this side of heaven. It says we know in part, we see through a mirror dimly or darkly, then we're going to see face to face. But it's saying here that we have to understand or should understand that God's love is, is deep. And isn't it amazing that even in our limited understanding, and the Bible says that we can have a good understanding, Psalm 111, I believe it's verse 10, a good understanding of all those who keep his commandments. We can have a good understanding, but I think sometimes depending on how analytical we are and, and, and how um, you know, type A we are, it's, we want a complete and we want a full understanding. We're not guaranteed that. We're not going to be given that. You can have a good one. And you should, you should have an understanding so that you can comprehend the depth of God's love, how wide, how deep, how, you, you should have that. I think sometimes we, we, we get annoyed or irritated with the things about God that we don't understand and we can't fully grasp instead of enjoying everything that God has allowed us, all the ways that he's revealed himself to us. And to the degree that everything has to be filtered through your flesh and your mind and your emotions. And I, I think you limit God that way. And so those moments of abandonment where you're at an altar or you're just a time alone with God or you're away on a retreat. Those moments of abandonment are so huge. I believe we go up in a level of trust. I don't think you should always have to go away to a retreat. You can retreat to God wherever you are. Pastor, I needed this this morning. I know, that's why I'm preaching it. So, it does take strength to understand and comprehend the depth of God's love. And as we experience the love of Christ, we will be made complete. We'll be made complete. The ESV and the New King James say the, the fullness of God. And this means, and, and get this, it means the state of having every necessary or normal part or component or step. Every necessary or normal part or component or step. Everything you need to take the next step. Every component that you need to move further, that is available to you. God's not somehow saying, how did you get to this level? Oh my gosh, I haven't prepared you for this yet. What are you doing here? Oh my gosh, you got to be scared. you got to be terrified. This is crazy. No, 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 my Bible says that God can give you every necessary component, everything necessary for the next normal step, normal part. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that good? Beyond what you can understand, ask, or even think, God's mighty power is at work within you. And as you trust in and experience him, he'll give you every necessary part, component, and step. 
Let me read this to you again. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You can still experience it. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Or all the fullness of God. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Made complete in the sense that all that you could possibly need in this life. Ah, Let me show you. Go to James. Love James. I mean, can you imagine being the Lord's brother growing up and not even accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior until after he resurrected and ascended? That's James. And so powerful was James' conversion that he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. It was Jesus' earthly brother, James. So how many of you know with so radical a conversion, how many of you know that James had some insights? Two of Jesus' earthly brothers wrote books in the New Testament, James and Jude. And James is the longest, and James was the recognized leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was the leader. And how powerful a leader he must have been. He didn't He didn't walk with Jesus and see all the miracles. He came to know the Lord after the fact. But what a conversion. And look at what he said. And I believe he's speaking these things from experience now. James 1, look at 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete. There it is again, needing nothing. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So ask yourself this. Is it always an attack of the devil or is your faith just being tested? You're being given an opportunity to grow. And as I understand scripture, if your faith isn't tested, you're not growing. And so don't find a cocoon and don't find a cave. You need to be out there and you need to be living your life for all to see this so that you can grow. And then look at verse 4. So let it grow. You have a choice. You have a choice as to whether or not your faith will grow through times of testing. You have a choice to cooperate with the work that God's doing in you. You have a choice. So let it grow. For when your endurance or your Patience, I believe, is what older versions will say, is fully developed. You'll be perfect, complete, needing nothing. So being fully developed, being, the word perfect probably isn't a great word. The better word would be complete, would be mature. So maturity, spiritual maturity, is not being in need of anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You're, You're not in need. You're not needy. In fact, you're ministering to the needy and you're extending a hand to the needy. It's not that there aren't things we don't need, but you've matured to the place that you realize, Matthew chapter 6, your father knows that you need all these things. And you're not worrying, but you're seeking first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And you're finding all these things are added. You're maturing. Back to Ephesians 3. Let's look at the last two verses. I love these. Now all glory to God who is able. Say, he's able. 
through his mighty power at work within us. He's working within you. His mighty power is working within you. Remember Philippians 3.10, that we can know him and the power of his resurrection. God's power is working within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is so awesome and so powerful that he can accomplish so much more than we could even ask or we could even think. That's mind-blowing to me, that God is working in me in ways, in ways that I wouldn't even think and I wouldn't even ask, but he's still working in me that way because he's so powerful. And then it says, glory to him in the church. Where is the glory of God to be seen? In the church. Isn't that powerful? Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. I'm mindful. I think it's Acts 13. You're going to have to dig it out. I want to say it's like verse 36 maybe. Um, I can find it if I need to. It says that David did the will of God in his generation. Said that he did the will of God in his generation. I believe the mature do the will of God in their generation. And it isn't about what God's doing with anybody else. It's about what God's doing in you and how you can be a part of what he's doing. And when you begin to realize that he is at work in you in ways that you couldn't even think, ways that you couldn't even ask, when you realize that God's mighty power is at work within you, it should change the way that you approach him You're going to begin to approach him not wondering, God, where are you? You're going to begin to approach him knowing, God, I know you're working in me. I know that what I'm dealing with or facing right now is going to somehow work for good. Because I am pursuing you. And this isn't... This isn't some kind of, I, don't get into a performance thing. I've heard it said that God doesn't, doesn't grade on a curve, he grades on a cross. So don't get caught up in this performance thing that, you know, I need to, to do this that day. I need to knock out so many chapters. I need to pray for so long. Don't do that. Don't reduce your relationship with God to, to, a, to a performance. It's not a performance. It's a pursuit. It's a chase. It's a love walk. You're, you're chasing him. You're seeking him. You're going after him. But know that in the pursuit that God's working in you. So trust the work that he's doing in you. It's just like Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Until Jesus returns, he'll complete it. It's, it's on God. You just chase him. He's way too big to miss. And he's way too powerful to not supply what you might be lacking. God will supply God will supply. I'm going to see if I can find a verse real quick. Oh, I might have to look for it. And I might be looking at it in a different version that I didn't memorize it in. Um, I believe it's Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, uh, it goes on to say that's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Um, there is a scripture that speaks about how the Holy Spirit will supply what you need. God is working in you. God is supplying you. And though your faith be tested, 
gets the best kind of testing. Wasn't it the Laodicean church that the Lord said you believe that you're rich and you're in need of nothing? You don't understand that you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, tested by fire. You might be going through the fire right now, but you're going to come out pure. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out fire-tested. Anything tempered is stronger. Tempered glass, tempered steel, always stronger. God's doing a work in you. He's working in you in ways that you can't even ask or think. Trust him. Trust the work that he's doing in you. Don't quit. Don't bail because things aren't going according to your plan. Rest assured they're going according to his, and his plan's the best plan. And so cooperate with him. I don't know how many times I can read it. I don't know how many times I reference it. I speak it over every couple that I marry. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. God's plan for your life isn't about calamity. It's not about you coming to some sudden ruin. God's plans and purposes for you are all about a future, all about a hopeful future. Trust him. Trust him. You've got nothing to lose by trusting him. And maybe for homework, Psalm 37, it's a great chapter on trusting the Lord. Just a great, great psalm to read. And I'm running out of time where we'd go through that together too. But let me pray for you. Close your eyes with me.